0: There was another episode of Straight Out of Combat Radio, Audio Medicine by Green Zone Hero, hosted by the Heroes Media Group Network. Our guest today was Mr. Carl Higby. Mr. Higby has been on our show before, and he's got a new book coming out, and he's here today to talk about uh, his beliefs on the Constitution, the state of the American culture, how we got here, and what we need to do to right the ship. I'm humbled by the time he took to be with us again here on the show, and I'm also very humbled. To have you listening again. I really believe you're going to enjoy this show. Thank you. My name is John Krotek, and I want to welcome you to Straight Out of Combat Radio, audio medicine by Green Zone Hero. We're here to honor the wisdom of America's most valuable asset for combat veterans. We're authentic. We're empowering. We're American. Save us all, burn it down. Uh, our guest today is Carl Higby. He is a former Navy SEAL and also a former presidential appointee. Carl is a die-hard American. He believes his oath of service is to the Constitution of the United States, not to our government. And those obligations are to the ideals represented in that constitution of freedom and liberty. He believes that the critical importance of that in a democracy can never be underestimated. And boy, we'll talk about it today, but we're we're definitely being tested today. Carl was a special operator with SEAL Team 10, Echo Platoon. He deployed twice in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom. He has been a regular contributor on Fox News and CNN. Carl ran for... Connecticut's 4th Congressional District in 2014. He currently resides in Greenwich, Connecticut, and we're very honored and humbled to have him here today. Hey, Carl, how's it going? Hey, that, that
1: is quite an introduction. Maybe you can like tell my mom that I'm important or something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Give me her phone number, man. I'll call her up during business hours. <laughs> no, it's good. I, you know what? It, it, thank you for taking the time and being here today. I know you got a new book coming out real soon, uh, Culture and Crisis. Um, Crisis of culture, crisis of culture. I keep getting it wrong. It's like a tongue twister. But uh, some very interesting things you've laid out and some things that we've talked about off offline. But, uh, you know, tell us just a little bit about yourself, Carl, and how you got to be where you're at.
1: Uh, so long story short, nine eleven happened, dropped, you know, I was in high school, ended up going to a year and a half of college and we put boots on the ground, declared war. And I dropped out of college and I was where I was wrestling, joined the military, didn't look back, did nine years, couple deployments over to Iraq, uh, kind of tripped and fell into politics, started doing Fox and, you know, all the major networks and wrote a couple books in there. Most people from high school didn't even think I could read. So that was a real shock.
0: <laughs> no um, doubt. <laughs> so I, I get it.
1: Yeah, so I did, yeah, you know, did that, and uh, was the first, uh, one of the first surrogates on the Trump train. Day one, I was, I was the guy who said, like, this man will be the next president of the United States. Everybody thought I was high, but yeah, I was able to uh, jump on the campaign early, got involved, and then uh, eventually was appointed. Um, and then I went over to the Super PAC for a little while, the White House Endorse Super PAC. So ended up here now got my own radio show the Carl Higby show we're up on iTunes Spotify stitcher all the the whole nine we're live on red uh, red state talk radio Monday through Friday at five to 6 p.m.
0: that's awesome man let me ask you this what did you know you talk about the Trump train tell us you know what you saw when you were out and about prior to the election what did you actually see out there in America
1: you know I, I saw that people were just pissed I mean it, 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 like no matter who we elected nothing got done and What I saw in Trump is, you know, I I, I run political campaigns for a living. That's my, my main job is political consulting. And I tell every candidate I work with, and I've worked with dozens and dozens of candidates, and I tell them, I said, you need to have a clock tower. And what I mean by that is every single political campaign, every single person running for some office says, you know, when I'm, you know, every town's got the broken clock tower or every small town and every person who comes to there is running for any office says, When I am elected, I'm going to fix that clock tower and nobody does it. And it's been broken for 30 years. So I always tell people, just go fix it. Just, just say, you know, everybody came here for, th- for three decades and promised they would fix this. Nobody did it. I came in, I ran for office, but while I was running for office, before I even got elected, I just fixed it. And that's the clock tower theory, and that's what Donald Trump had. People are like, oh, well, you know, what do you do? Like most politicians can say, well, I've sponsored legislation and I've been a supporter of this, but they've never actually done anything material. Paul Ryan, three bills in his entire 20 year career and he gets paid 180 grand a year on the taxpayer dime. And I really don't know what he does. A lot of these politicians come from a background that is where ac- action constitutes achievement. We don't have that in Donald Trump because you look at the New York City skyline and that's his damn clock tower. People yes. were like, how do you, how are you going to do that? If you, and yeah, I mean, if you had asked Donald Trump 20 years ago, how are 30 years ago, how are you going to change the New York city skyline? He'd be like, don't worry about it. I'm going to do it. And he did it. And it's been the same message. So that's why people trusted him. And that's why they still trust him no matter what the media says.
0: So, you know, and I like the way you say that because, you know, needless to say, you get 30 years of that nonsense which you can basically call it, and you do become disillusioned. And, you know, I, I've said this so many times that I believe that last election uh, with Donald Trump becoming the, the president was more of a uh, of a cry election. You know, cry out to both parties. Uh, Give us something different. And, and and you know, President Trump came along and he offered something different. And we, we can see, like you just said, the mass media, we can see what they do, to, what they do.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, 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 they just crucified. I mean, look, they did it to me. I had to resign from the administration because they went after me. You know, they went after me for stuff that was six years old from radio shows, taken most of which was taken far out of context. And, you know, some of it was pretty harsh, but forgive me. I shot bad guys for a living for nine years. Like, I wasn't exactly well-rounded when I came back from Fallujah. Mm. So, you know, it's like, and then they, they zero in. And I'm just one of a, a huge handful of people. I mean, look, at, they're going after Kavanaugh's wife now. I mean, Ted Cruz and his wife can't eat dinner in public without people shouting him down. This is the most visceral, com- politically, com- politically combative thing, and that's why I wrote the book. You know, it is a crisis of culture. It's called the, you know, the new political battleground of the new civil war, because you know,
0: we're in civil yeah. war. Well, you know what? You just pointed something out. You know, I can guarantee you this. I, you know, I have never claimed to be a saint. You know, a broken angel, maybe. You know, I've made my share of mistakes, but I can guarantee you this, and you know this. Anybody out there? Can have their life picked apart at one point, out of context, in context. It doesn't matter. We've all made mistakes, but to do it and to vilify somebody at the levels that we're seeing it, you know, it's almost embarrassing at times uh, to, to say you're an American because I think people laugh at us quite a bit.
1: Oh yeah, it's crazy. I, I mean, look at you know the the new breaking news today on the top of you know Apple news was Kavanaugh attended a keg party in high school. Yeah, no shit. I don't know if I can say that on your network. Well, I think
0: you can. <laughs> we're good to go, man.
1: I mean, you know, it, it was just like so? I mean, I actually legitimately did not drink in high school. My entire high school time, I did not drink. I didn't start drinking until after high school. And it was just my personal preference. But every one of my friends, with the exception of two, were drank in high school. They attended keg parties. It was a thing. I attended the parties
0: myself. Well, you know what? I can guarantee it, they wouldn't put me up in an office. But you know, I'm just saying that. Even like when I was in college, we had some pretty crazy parties at the fraternity house.
1: Yeah, well, safe, safe bet is that you and I could not get confirmed to the Supreme Court.
0: Safe bet. And, and you know what? I, I can agree to that. So so tell me about the book. Tell me that the roots of the book, we've hit upon some of it. But tell us about the book um, and, and what you think has happened to this culture. And again, like we've alluded to some of it, but, but go a little bit deeper for us.
1: Well, you know, the funny thing was, is I started writing this book. You know, my first and second book started off just me – well, my first book started just me writing stuff down for therapy. The second book was about the process of the first book where I was the only person willing to take on the Department of Defense for, for in, on sake of First Amendment right for service members, and I won. I went to court and won, and that's what the, the second book is all about. This third book kind of started the same way as the, um, the, the, the first one because this is about – The crisis of, this is like, I've experienced the political consulting side. I've experienced the campaign side. I've experienced super PACs. I've considered, uh, you know, private sector. I've been everywhere. I've been in the media. I know this stuff firsthand. So after my, you know, assassination by CNN, I decided to take some time and walk a mile in everyone's shoes, including the people that I allegedly offended so much. So took the time you know, spend a significant portion of the time uh, you're working with the, what, what is the URC, the Urban Revitalization Coalition with Dr. Uh, Pastor Daryl Scott. And I, I kind of walked a mile in everyone's shoes, everybody that I liked, everybody I had previously disdained for, everybody in the middle, you know, like, I mean, I'm, I'm you Google me, I'm labeled racist, bigot, homophobe, the worst of all things. But you know, the, the irony was is I was literally in charge of the federal agency that did community service for the entire United States of America. I mean, like you can't be racist in that thing. It's just a not, it didn't, it's not a, it doesn't happen. They're mutually exclusive. So I, um, I spent some time and started writing this book on my observations of like being in it. I mean, now, now, look, keep in mind, as poll came out today by Pew Research, 68 percent of people in America don't think the media understands them. That's two third, over two thirds of the nation thinks that the media is reporting based on stuff that they don't understand. So, when you have the media assassinating people because of this moral outrage, this moral outrage thing is is then all the new craze. If you don't like something, you're morally outraged, and everybody has to stop on your behalf, which is stupid. That's not <laughs> the fundamental rights of Americans. But I, you know, I wrote this book because I call it as I see it, and I, I'm I'm I want people to read it. Because I want them to understand that there's more people out there that think the way you do. the The news media is reported out of three locations: New York, D.C., and L.A., and those three places are starkly different from the entire rest of the country ideologically. I mean, starkly different. Absolutely. You know, you have income differences, political Mm. differences. You know, they live in skyscrapers, not on farms. There's almost nothing the same. So when you have the mass media represented out of those areas, it, no wonder they get it wrong. Um, so I wanted uh, this book is about that, and the other the great thing about this book is I partnered with a group called Tactical Sixteen, and they publish works of law enforcement and veterans and things like that, and to help veterans write stuff in uh, in, a, in like a therapeutic manner. So. But part of the reason I was so attracted by the, you know, by this book deal in particular, and I turned down a couple other agent, agent offers is because a hundred percent of the proceeds of this book go right back to the company to help other veterans publish their work. Cause and, and, you know, people are going to say, Oh, you're Carl, you're in for the money. I make, I've, I make no money off books. You, you, you just don't, unless you're Michelle Obama or James Comey, you don't make any money off books right. or, only, So. Um, so a hundred percent of the money goes right back to this company to help other veterans publish this. And that was like the most attractive thing for me was like, I can write this book, get my message out and help some veterans in the, in, you know, on the way, no brainer, like I'm in. So,
0: you know, that's great because, you know, we have worked with a few of the authors at tactical 16, Eric Shaw over there, and, and they understand the therapeutic value of writing and they have allowed the platform that you, that you just described, Carl, uh, you know, authors like yourself who want to get the story told and want to get it and told in real time and and that has real value. You yeah. know, one thing that you did mention, and I'm glad you pointed this out because it's some of the intel that we've been able to find out boots on the ground, is that there Americans have a lot more in common than the mass media wants us to believe. And of course, this isn't a, an attack. Well, maybe it is an attack, but but you're right. And I think people... They want to believe in something. You know, what do you think of all the Americans that you've come in contact now on all sides? What do you think Americans want?
1: I mean, people want a strong leader. I mean, we saw like Barack Obama was supposed to revolutionize governing and, you know, change the country. I mean, hoping I mean, he did change the country, he fundamentally change the country as he promised. He would just what he did was far different what, than what a lot of people envisioned. And we want a strong leader. We've had we've had enough. Like you saw Trump's thing at the U.N. the other day. And he was like. I mean, he crushed it. He looked, the, you know, the, all the, the major players that we're in opposition with, you know, he looked Iran in the face, was like, you're a state sponsor of terror and we're not going to work with you and, oh, by the way, we're sanctioning the hell out of you so you can't do business and there was just recently another German company pulled out of operating in Iran because the sanctions are working and the American people saw that. They're like, look, he's not perfect, but he's perfect for me. Because they they want a guy who shows his flaws, but another guy they want a guy who just gets stuff done. Like, stop talking about stuff like Paul Ryan, three bills in 20 years. Just do something. You know, I, I don't know if anybody knows this, but the government may shut down on September thirtieth. Hmm. And you know, all this newscast, nobody's covering it. And the reason is is because the damn Congress won't put the won't authorize funding for the wall. Even though that was the fundamental platform of the Trump campaign, and people elected him for it. And Trump is like, no, look, why would I do that? Why would I?
0: kind of, Well, it kind of flies in the face of, you know, for the people, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it's, this is – people always say, like, well, your leaders – I'm like, look, they're not my leaders. They're my representatives. Okay, they may be elected to represent me, but they are not my leader. I do not look to them for advice. I do not look to them for moral examples. I look to them to govern, and they're not governing. They, they literally, I mean, we spend more money than we take in. Case in point right there, that's dumb. You cannot, like, no company, no household can exist on those terms. Why should our government and why should we trust the government to do that? I mean, it's just completely bogus to me
0: how do you think the rest of the world, you know, you just mentioned some of those players and not that it really matters, you know, and that's one thing that I've always said is, you know, I think it's okay to be an American. I think it's okay to stand up and say, I'm proud to be an American based on our history or based on what it is we stand for. And of course, you know, I heard this the other day, I was at a veterans event in Orlando over here in the middle of the state and, you know, and, and, and was said in one of the guest speakers said, haters are going to hate You know, regardless of how well you try to uh, accommodate them, they're still going to hate. How do you think the rest of the I still think the rest of the world looks at us as a beacon. I do. What do you think?
1: So, I mean, um, the world is better off when America is strong, when America is leading from the front. Everybody is better off. And the reason is, is because, you know, we are a force of good. We're off. You look at everything we've done. You know, and I went through the 14 points of fascism because they, everybody accuses Trump being a fascist. Like I tallied him up and everybody has some like the, the number one point of fascism is strong national pride. OK, so, yes, by that account, yeah, I, a lot of people do. Um, but I tallied him up. And of the 14 points of fascism, Trump has four characteristics of it. But Hillary Clinton has eight. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like – I, America is, is not a fascist country. Donald Trump is not a fascist leader. We, we, we lead from the front, and we are a force for good. I mean, that's the motto of the U.S. Navy. Um, where people are in trouble, we come and help. And yes, sometimes we get it wrong. But it's not because we're trying to be bad dudes. It's not like we're pushing the crusades across the Middle East. We're, <laughs> we're going over there to try to help people. Like when we bombed Syria back to the Stone Age with 59 Tomahawk missiles, it was we did that. Because Assad was launching chemical weapons.
0: They, yeah, know, like- I, yeah, I know. You know, when you speak about fascism, you know, you know, we tend to forget history. You look back on history and look at any of those fascist states, and, and it'll absolutely blow you away. Because, you know, there's no way that this president is a fascist president. Because if he was, guys like you and me would be raising a serious ruckus. Mm-hmm. You know, not just some lip service, or you know, or lip devotion, I guess, whatever you want to call it, about what it is that we're trying to accomplish that, you know, and again, this show at the outset, it's a little bit different from the way we've, uh, but, 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 you know, it's time to get real and raw. And and that's why we wanted to know about this book. What can we do to change it?
1: So, I mean, it it is changing. And I'll tell you, we're at a tipping point with Kavanaugh. This, if they don't confirm him, we lose the House and Senate, maybe. Because the American people, you know, the, the House and Senate have been promising, like, oh, you give us a house, we'll fix fix it. Give us a Senate, we'll fix it. Give us a presidency, we'll fix it. Well, now we have all three. And Trump is trying to, but he only legislatively, like legally, he can only do so much. You require the other two branches, of the other branch of government to do that. Um, you know, obviously the judicial branch operates independently, but you re- it requires the House and the Senate to do their job, and they're not doing it. So what we need to do as Americans is, is continue to vote with our brains, not our, you know, not our, this, this moral outrage vote. what You know, sometimes you don't always vote. Like I'll be honest voting for Donald Trump and the tax cuts that he passed hurt my family. As far as I live in Greenwich, Connecticut, I own a house and my state sucks. So the state and local tax deductions, hurts me. I actually will pay more in taxes this year. Guess what? I'm still proud and have zero regrets about voting for Donald Trump because it is better for the nation. There are millions of people out there that have benefited greatly. People need to understand that sometimes voting for the right thing is not always voting for the easiest thing. It's easy to vote for a Barack Obama who's has good likability, speaks well, and things like that. It's sometimes not easy to vote for someone that you don't agree with everything But you know he's going to go in there and he's going to work his ass off. I mean, the guy could retire on a beach with a margarita tomorrow, but instead he decided to get punched in the face by the mainstream media every single day, made fun of on a global stage, and yet he still goes to fight for us every single day. That takes up – that's a lot of man right there.
0: Right. You know, tell me, you think – you said things are starting to change. What happens if we don't change, if we continue down the road that 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 we've alluded to? We're in a civil war.
1: If, we, if if nothing changes, if rule of law is not restored, if rationale is not restored look at these Kavanaugh things like he's guilty until proven innocent. Now, that's not that's not the basis of our judicial system, which ironically they're appointing him to or are confirming him to. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't you cannot have mob rule. And if you do it's going to be, I mean, it's going to tear our country apart. I don't want any type of civil war. I don't want any type of thing. But I made a wager the other day on my radio show that went viral on social media. I said, look, NRA members are more law-abiding than Democrats. And I base that on the fact that no, zero NRA members have conducted any mass shootings. Most of them have been actual Democrats or affiliated with you know, democratic parties and democratic causes. um, I also affiliate with the fact that you overlay the crime stats over the electoral map. They're almost identical where there's higher crime, there's higher democratic concentration. So, you know, we have to curb. and, And the reason why is because the democratic party has encouraged people to be lawless and, and baseless and have no accountability and that's hurting us. And it's done in our schools. It's done via social media. It's done, you know, I mean, look, Keith Ellison beats his wife or girlfriend, no trouble. But an allegation from 36 years ago that has been, you know, <laughs> I mean, they've been told. Kavanaugh has had like 60 people come to his defense on this and said it didn't happen, and yet we're supposed. To, they, you know, the Democrats want us to believe. it. I mean, this is this is the the trial we're in, and I don't want a civil war. But let me tell you, if we go there, think about the sides here.
0: When you start thinking about even the people that are spokespeople, I guess, you know, if you want to choose a side, you know, what gives somebody the authority to speak on politics or history if there's no background in politics or history? Exactly. Or, you know, like and we could get into the gun thing all day long, but, you know, any mass shooting is a bad, bad, bad thing. Yeah. And my no, for
1: gun violence. Yeah. Everyone says, well, the NRA is for gun violence. And it's like, no, you idiots. No, The NRA is, nobody is for gun violence. Everybody just has different ways of dealing with the problem.
0: Exactly. And if you read the research, this is the part that got me on the whole mass shooting thing. And obviously my, our, your heart, my heart, all of our hearts go out for anybody killed in a mass shooting. But I think it's like since 1968, there's been like 1,700 people killed in mass shootings in the U.S., but there's over forty thousand overdoses from prescription drugs, and you know what's the epidemic? That's yeah, you know it's exactly. kind of, it's kind of like what do we really? And in fact, I don't know. Don't get me going. But 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 I I am with you. And you know what? Civil war is not impossible to, to think about because it has happened on our soil before.
1: Yeah. Now, the thing is, the problem is here's here's how it'll play out if you do have a civil war. Conservatives are not going to fight law enforcement and military. Law enforcement and military is not going to walk around confiscating firearms from people. They won't do it, but despite any order, they just won't do it. And so you're going to be faced with something where conservatives take a defensive posture, and you know we're not going to when law enforcement says to do something, we're probably going to work with them. But the Democratic Party. And the liberal progressive far left is going to be throwing Molotov cocktails at, at police barricades. And so it's going to be essentially the cops and conserv- that you know, law enforcement cops and conservatives versus a fringe group of liberals that, I mean, just like the regular, you know, the Civil War back in the 1860s, only like 6% of the country was actually engaged in fighting. The rest were trying to get by. It would be the same thing this time. You'll have a small sliver of percentage of people actually willing to do anything about it. And the rest of the people are just trying to put food on the table. And it's, you know, it's like it'll be sad because at the end of it, Americans would have killed other Americans. And then you have now you have this distrust, much like we did right after the Civil War. It takes a lot to rebuild a nation from that. I don't want it. I just want people to, you know, I I know it sounds corny, but can't we all just get along with stuff? Like I have liberal friends that I don't just don't talk politics with them because they're wrong. And you know, I still get along with them liberal family members, you know, just you can have difference of opinion without being an asshole to
0: someone. You got that right. So let me ask you this. What does freedom mean to you? And, you know, I know we're, we're winding down. I know you got another show coming up, but what does freedom mean to you? And What message do you want to send to all of your American citizens? What 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 would that message be? And then how can we get your book and how can people contact you?
1: So the book will be available for pre-order shortly on Amazon, uh, Crisis of Culture. That Knock that one out because I'll forget about it because I'm horrible at promoting my stuff. <laughs> um, but to all Americans, honestly, do your research. That's the that's Republicans' best friend is fact. And Ben Shapiro says it best when he says facts don't care about your feelings because if you look at the reality of facts, you, you can't refute them. It doesn't matter if your opinion, like your, your opinion can not agree with the facts that makes you wrong. <laughs> so understand your facts, do your research. Don't take people's word for something. And if something sounds too good to be true, it probably is except for Trump winning a second term. That'll happen. The, you have to, you know, being informed takes time, takes effort, but I encourage everybody to, to be as informed as they possibly can. Cause if you're not, an uneducated electorate is a controlled electorate, and guess who tries to control people? You yeah. know, yeah, dictators.
0: They do, and you know. So, how do people get a hold of you, Carl? Tell us that, and then, uh, and then, last comment about freedom.
1: Uh, so you can go follow me on Twitter at Carl Higby. That's where I put most of my stuff out, and uh, I have the Carl Higby Show on RedStateTalkRadio dot com, which is five to six every uh, every weeknight. And, uh, you know, my YouTube channel, you can comment live on the live videos during my shows. So um, if you have something that you want me to address, somebody said that I had a receding hairline the other day. I said, well, my dad was bald, you know, 20 years ago or when he was 20 years old. So I feel like I'm doing OK. Yeah,
0: I think you're doing
1: good. You know, freedom to me is the, is the ability for us to have this conversation, to have dissent, to have a disagreement, to have an agreement, to have a discussion about facts and things that, you know, might offend someone. And, and still being able to say it, freedom is the ability to put your eyes on the horizon and reach out and touch it and not have anyone stand in your way and not have someone tell you what you, what you can and can't do with your life. I mean, that, that is the, the fundamental basis of freedom and the freedom in democracy in the, you know, in America is the, is the greatest social experiment of any, any country in any empire in the history of the world. And it worked. Freedom and capitalism here in America worked. I mean, we we dominate, and we're that, that's why we're better than everybody. And those people say, "Oh, I'm so offended." You know, that's that's not conclusive to the rest of. The world. Look, America is better than everybody, and we got that way because we work hard, we out innovate, and if if we don't f- keep our freedoms, it's 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 going to go away. It's never more than one generation away from extinction.
0: Definitely agree with you on that. And I can tell you the, um, the Constitution in this nation is the greatest experiment in the history of the world, and, and, and people have debated it and debated it, and, but that Constitution that we talked about at the beginning of your show, Carl, is what it's all about. And that Constitution, regardless of the, the ills of the past, the Constitution was pretty brilliant, and if we stick to it, we've got an amazing opportunity to still be the best in the world. And we are still the best in the world, but you're right, we got work to do.
1: Yeah. I mean, we do. It it doesn't come free. That's for sure. And that's the slogan of my radio show is freedom isn't free.
0: Well, definitely something we like too, you know, and it's true. There's a high cost, there's a high price to pay. And there are, there, there, you know, I think about all the stories of all of our families and in the past and you know, my grandfather worked 37 years in a steel mill and, 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 but yet all those seven kids, five of them served. And, and you know what? He wanted to be an American. He came here to be an American. So god bless you man i'm uh, i'm uh, I'm i'm really happy to to have you on the show and i can tell you this man i appreciate your time and your commitment and dedication to our country
1: yeah well i, I appreciate you uh having me on and keep getting the word out brother
0: we're gonna keep spreading it thanks car we'll talk to you soon
1: talk soon you them
0: up before they burn it down Thank you for listening to another episode of Straight Outta Combat Radio, Audio Medicine from Green Zone Hero. If you liked what you heard, then tell others about us, like us, and download us. And please remember, freedom is not free, and combat veterans are vital assets. They're not broken.